Time now for Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Now, here's your host, Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan's ombudsman has recommended the RM of Sherwood vote to dismiss a councillor over a conflict of interest issue. The RM surrounds the city of Regina. Ombudsman Mary McFadden says councillor Tim Proby failed to declare a conflict of interest during a meeting last January. She says the meeting discussed court cases involving a major development south of Regina in the RM of Sherwood. Well, our recommendation under the Act, we have the ability to investigate complaints if someone complains to us that a council member acted when he had a conflict of interest, when he should have followed the rules set out in the Act. However, we do not have the power to order anybody to do anything. We make findings of facts and then recommendations. So in this case, we found that one of the council members, who's still a council member, had a conflict of interest and didn't take the steps required for that they were to take under the Act. So we made a recommendation to Council that it should vote on whether or not it should apply to the Court of Queen's bench for an order declaring this Council member to be disqualified, because it's the Court who ultimately has the power under the Act to order that someone is disqualified from Council. Did this problem with a conflict of interest around a major development south of Regina? Well, it's sort of an offshoot of that, because after during the that uh, inspection inquiry with respect to that major development. Uh, there was an inquiry, and the former Reeve and three of the council members had hired legal counsel to represent them. And the the RM had reimbursed them for their legal fees, and that bylaw, which allowed them to do that, was later found to be invalid by the court. And so then the RM was looking at steps to, because the money had been paid out under an invalid bylaw, they were looking at whether or not they should take legal action to uh, try to get the money back. And so this matter was up for discussion at this January 13, 2016 council meeting. There was a presentation by a number of residents about that the council should take steps to get that money back. There was a motion on the table. And in the investigation we did, there was two council members who would have benefited if they didn't have to pay back that money because they had had legal fees paid. And they did not recuse them. They didn't take the steps required under the Act, and they actually sat in the room and they participated when this matter was being discussed and when the motion was raised to take the money back. So it was hard to say that they were acting in the public interest or in the best interest of the community because they had a personal and private interest in not having to repay that money. How much money are we talking about? It was uh, just under 50000 for one of them and 11000 for the other council member. And the one council member that's still there, Tim Proby, that's the one you're referring to. How much was he? It was $49,000, I believe. What's the next step? Where does this go after this? Well, as I mentioned, the ombudsman's role, we, we make findings of fact, and then we make recommendations. So it's up to council. The RM of Sherwood has a copy of our report. We've made the recommendation to them, and we've recommended that they consider bringing this application and that they discuss it at their next council meeting. So it's up to them whether or not to accept our recommendation. Now, you've also put out a major message to municipal council members across Saskatchewan. What is your message to them? Well, I think it's really important that they know that they need to recognize when they could have a conflict of interest and that they know how to deal with it and speak up when it happens. Because it's not unusual that 
people that are involved in, you know, local politics are community leaders, and it's not unusual that they would have a personal interest that could um, conflict with, or there might be a perception that it does conflict with their ability to carry out their public duties. What's really important is that they know what to do and they deal with it when it comes it comes to light, that if they there's something before council that there it could be possible that they have an interest in, they should speak up and make sure that they follow the rules that are set out in the legislation. Because it's very complicated conflict of interest and the consequences are serious. One of the messages we're trying to get out is to You know, we've been doing investigations. uh, We've had the mandate to look at municipal governments and their processes and services for the last year. And so one of our messages is we developed a brochure on for council members of what a conflict of interest is and the steps they need to take. And in February, we're going to be running some webinars for council members because we just had elections out in the communities. And so there's some new council members that We'll explain a little bit more about our role and what we mean when we say that they have to be fair to people and what exactly they should be doing and how we investigate conflicts of interest. So we're trying to get a positive message out there that, you know, we're all there to make sure that government is more accountable and transparent. And so um, we're hoping to release information that will help them be able to carry out their public duties in a better manner. Mary McFadden is the ombudsman for the province of Saskatchewan. The University of Regina is involved with new high crop research, high-tech crop research using CT scans. Physics professor Zeisis Papandreou says nuclear imaging will be used on lentils to study factors related to climate change like drought and higher temperatures. This is based on uh, PET or positron emission tomography, which is a very well-established technique used in hospitals to diagnose, for example, tumors in human patients. So this technique uh, relies on uh, putting a radioactive isotope inside the patient. And, for example, we can put the isotope, we can tag a sugar molecule, and that travels, you know, the human body moves sugars around, and cancers are particularly hungry for sugar, so they, the, those tend to gravitate to the cancer sites. And then what happens once the radioactive substance gets there, it decays, and particles come out of the human body, and we can detect them externally with detectors, the PET detectors. So now we're using the very same technique that's been used for humans. We're using it on plants. And you've picked lentils as the first plant to study? Well, I didn't pick it myself. I can't take credit for that. It's our biologist friends here, uh, professors in the, in the University of Regina at the Department of Biology, who want to study lentils. They already have an ongoing research uh, on lentils using other techniques, and they also have uh, very good linkages with scientists in the agro companies and you know, among the seed growers. So there was already the interest there and the studies on the lentils, and now we're going to add this new tool to the to study them. And this new tool will be used to study the stress, I understand, from weather changes, the changing climate, increased temperature, less water. Right. So uh, whether you have droughts, temperature changes, whether you have some pest chewing on a leaf of a plant, the, the plants themselves experience this stress and they react in different ways. And this is what, uh, you know, the plant uh, scientists want to find out. How do they react? But more importantly is uh, what happens both above ground and below ground, because the reaction that may happen above ground may also manifest itself in some changes in the root system or how the plant moves nutrients. And therefore, with the pet imaging, we'll be able to see that, and we'll be able to, let's say, try a bunch of 
plants who may be cousins to each other as far as DNA goes, and we will try those under the conditions and map them out and see which varieties are better to withstand the drought conditions, and then those would be selected for planting in those areas. So the goal is then to increase crop production? Absolutely, to increase the efficiency on a given you know, a piece of land and overall uh, the yields of the crops. And perhaps getting our crops prepared for climate change? Absolutely as well. Another another uh, uh, thing that some of the biologists are very interested in looking at is, you know, the you know we use fertilizers of course uh, in in our farming, and you know nitrogen is a key ingredient there. There's a lot of nitrogen out in the atmospheric air, but plants don't seem to be able to fix that into their systems and convert it to a usable form. The idea there is to see if possibly variants can be found that can do that. And again, we're not hoping for, you know, the plants to take all the nitrogen from the air. That will probably never happen. But at least if they can take some of it, then we can reduce the amount of fertilizer. So for the farmer, of course, that drops the cost, but also for the environment, it's better because the runoff into the lakes is reduced. So outline the key reasons why study drought and water stress is the first study of the plant. So basically what we're after here is uh, we're part of a very large effort in Saskatchewan that involves both the universities, and particularly there is an institute up at the U of S, the Global Institute for Food Security, and what the objectives are is to tackle feeding the globe. By 2050, uh, we expect to have 9 billion people, and the amount of arable land isn't increasing. Matter of fact, usually it decreases. So therefore, how can we make our crops more efficient, but also how can those crops be planted in areas where we don't we avoid catastrophes like uh, you know dress or strout that will kill the entire crop if we have crops that are more resistant then you know it wouldn't be a, a complete uh, loss so it's tackling uh, global food which is a very big issue and a very complex issue, and this is why so many disciplines are getting together. I mean, a few years ago, I wasn't doing anything remotely related to this. I do pure nuclear physics, and now I'm applying what I learned there into plants and working with uh, agriculture people. Personally, I'm very excited to be able to apply some of my basic knowledge into an area that's you know, very important both for Saskatchewan and for Canada, and uh, you know, it's been fun you know, talking to biologists and other people in those areas and learning their language and learning things about plants. It's, it's very nice to see taking more abstract science and making it more concrete and applying it on something that's very, very relevant. Saskatchewan accounts for about half the world's lentil exports. Also involved in the project is the University of Saskatchewan and a U.S. accelerator facility in Virginia. The Market Update on The Source, 620 CKRM. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola fell $1.60 at 472.22. Oats dropped $1 at 171.93. Number one red spring wheat went up 29 cents at $220.22. The rest were unchanged. Durham, 297.90. Feed barley, 136.14. Flax, 498.55. Yellow peas, $304. Feed wheat, 147.48. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, March wheat is down one and three quarter cents at five sixty-five a bushel. The livestock report on the source six twenty CKRM. This is Graham Barnett with the Market Report. Hard on livestock here in Moose Jug. Three hundred plus cattle on offer on Thursday at our regular sale, consisting almost all of cows. These good cows are eighty-nine to ninety-four. Sales right up to ninety-six, ninety-seven bucks on these high-yielding cows. These medium cows, cows that are on straight hay, no grain. They're from eighty-four to ninety-two. These blemish cows, though, they're getting real hard to sell nowadays. The bull market looked barely steady, maybe a little lower, ninety-six to a dollar six. Sales to a dollar twelve on them real high-yielding cows. Good run expected here at our Tuesday sale on the thirty-first. We got twelve hundred homegrown calves coming from six different outfits. 
This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have a great afternoon. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 5,500 hogs Thursday, selling in a range of 155 to 156 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 4,500 heads, selling in a range of 155 to 157 per CKG. Hog prices for the week ending Friday, January 27th are SIG 3, 154.36, SIG 4, 159.76, SIG 5, 157.06, Cash 155.56, Britco 152.93, Thunder Creek 153.46 and High Life is still unavailable. Cash hogs today are called steady while lean hogs are trading mostly lower and the Canadian dollar is down 13 basis points trading at 0.7630 cents US. Cash hogs yesterday were up 32 cents per hundred weight while the cutout was up 41 cents per hundred weight. Packer margins are currently estimated at $37 per head black. Producers should be prepared for significant swings in forward contract prices over the coming weeks as news of the planned meetings to discuss NAFTA between President Trump and the Mexican president were cancelled. This development signals an escalation in the chance of a trade war between Mexico and the United States. Coming up, the farm weather forecast. Jim Smalley's Agri-Weather on The Source, 620 CKRM. The 620 CKRM farm weather forecast for today, partly cloudy, 30% chance of flurries, then clearing this afternoon, wind getting gusty up to 60 kilometers per hour at the high plus one. Increasing cloudiness late this evening, then 60% chance of light snow overnight, wind northwest 30, the low minus four. Tomorrow, cloudy, the high plus one. Tomorrow night, snow or rain and a low minus three. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high plus three. Sunday night, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the low zero. For Monday, cloudy and windy with a high of plus 1, low minus 10. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 8, the low minus 17. Wednesday, sunny, the high minus 13, the low minus 17. Thursday, sunny, the high minus 11. Normal high is minus 10, the normal low minus 22. The sun rose at 8.40 this morning. The sun sets at 5.42 p.m. Round the province, Estevan minus 4, Saskatoon is 0. Swift Current and Weyburn minus 2, Yorkton is minus 3. In Regina, with partly cloudy skies, it's zero, that's 32 Fahrenheit, northwest at 32, giving a wind chill of minus 7. Humidity 76%, barometer rising 102.2. Sunny in Moosejaw, plus 2, northwest 37, gusting to 46. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy and zero, that's 32 Fahrenheit. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.